sportsgrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. Sportsgrid.com. Our goal is subtle, but profound. We want you, Sporto, to hold court at the company water cooler every Friday and Monday. Get it? That's the winning edge. All you got to do is listen. This is the Sports Grid Radio Network. Welcome back in, everybody, right here to the early line. Dan Martinez and Kevin Walsh breaking it all down here from Wild Card Weekend, giving you the winning edge. That's what we do here on SportsGrid. Kev, we were talking about this uh, Ravens-Titans game, and I got to ask you something. You know, there was some bad blood in this game. What did you think about that stuff that was going on, the dancing on the logo? You know, we're talking about some of the chirping that happened in previous matchups, right? Would there be the handshake and all that stuff? Lamar Jackson, when they, you know, after they win the game, they they run off, okay? They weren't sticking around for any kind of greetings and prayer circles at the at, on the field after that. They were gone. It was almost like they walked off, and then they were dancing on the logo. What did you think about that there's one school of thought that thinks like the Ravens are smelling themselves they need to be this way if they're going to move on in the playoffs and some people thought it was Bush League what you think about that Kev I loved it man I loved it listen at the end of the day there's a lot of people out there like oh grow up grow up act like you've been there you grow up relax this is theater this is sports this is what we do as long as you can avoid the 15 yard penalty I don't care. Have fun. In fact, I encourage it. As long as you can avoid that 15-yard penalty. Don't tell me that they're hurting the team. The Ravens look as good as ever when they're making decisions like that. When they're like, because that is what they do. That's what defensive players do. Defensive players are a rare breed, man. I think that cornerbacks are one of the funniest people on the planet. When the quarterback overthrows a ball and you were beat on a deep route and you hit him with a no, you didn't even do anything. They're crazy. <laughs> I love it. I think it's what it's about. And I think the comments after the game, oh, it wasn't about disrespect. It was about team unity. I mean, that's just a sensational comment right there. Uh, team unity. No, it was about disrespect. You felt disrespected the first go-around when you saw this team, and you went out there, and you clearly had that planned out if you guys were going to make that kind of play. Good for right. you. Good for you. There's drama in this. There are storylines in what we do here. They, like, people need to get over it. Get over it. All right, fair enough. Now let's look at these Baltimore Ravens because now moving on, they will be heading to Kansas City next, right? And so that's an interesting matchup. No, they will not. The Cleveland Browns head to Kansas City. They will be heading to Buffalo, excuse me, in a battle of, you know, hot teams. When we went into this playoffs a lot of people were saying hey if the chiefs are going to get upset it might be buffalo it might be baltimore these are the teams that kind of have the offenses that can hang with them or in baltimore's case punch them in the mouth what kind of chance you give baltimore moving forward because you just said it lamar jackson's the best athlete on the field right and i was saying tennessee was kind of containing him for almost the first half and then boom it didn't matter so will it not matter in arrowhead next week 
I, I mean, I, I think the Ravens are are, are, are interesting. I, I think this matchup with, with Buffalo for them, the, at the end of the day, just the opportunity to avoid the Chiefs until that championship game because you had to exp- – and now, again, we talk Chiefs-Browns. There's no guarantee they're there. But just sure. you want to delay that matchup as long as possible. And Baltimore, again, that win, you were down 10 nothing. Lamar threw a miserable pick against what was the highest-scoring offense in football – and you close the game on a 20-3 to run, that's an incredible performance for the Ravens. They'll like their chances against anybody. All right, and real quickly, as we welcome in our radio audience from around the country, around the globe, big shout-out to all of our affiliates, the Mightier 1090, of course, and, of course, Sirius XM Channel 204. We thank you for getting up on the grid and getting the winning edge bright and early in the morning. That's what we do here on the early line, Dane Martinez and Kevin Walsh. What do you think, though? Let's talk about this Tennessee squad. What is the autopsy on them moving forward? Listen, they were in the AFC Championship game last year. They have the back-to-back rushing champion. In, right? Did they miss a guy like Jadavion Clowney in the pass rush for this team last year? You talk about the Houston Texans and the salary cap hell there, and maybe they make a call to a guy like J.J. Watt, but that's in the division. That wouldn't happen. You know you like the receivers they have. King Henry, you think Tannehill's a top 10 quarterback. Is this team just focused entirely on the defensive side of the ball in the offseason? You know, it's really interesting, Dane, because Vrabel to me last year made this leap to beat Belichick and Foxborough and then beat Harbaugh and Baltimore. I mean, he had an opportunity to, to, you know, make the sweep with Andy Reid and Arrowhead, and he ultimately couldn't get over that mountain. You look back at this year, and another, I mean, an 11-win team, a division crown to, you know, build off of what you did last year. You do lose a home playoff game, and that is difficult to first-round exit. The one thing that, that I'll say about Rayburn is he does seem to have a good control over this team, but I don't mm-hmm. think that this was his finest moment in these games. That fourth-and-two punt at midfield yeah. was out of this world, and, and I feel like that's just not who they are or what they should be. And I will say for the Titans, the biggest question of the offseason is their offensive coordinator. Because mm, everybody is excited about, is, is about Arthur Smith and possibly moving on somewhere else as a head coach. I would say, you know, the minus money of does he get a head coaching job is probably to the yes. That's just the sense you get around the league. If Smith leaves, we know Vrabel more defensive-minded. How do they replenish there? Who do they bring into the fold in that offensive coordinator position? That's going to be the big question for the Tennessee Titans. I think that's the biggest question that looms for the Tennessee Titans. All right, and I have heard some interesting names batted around in that scenario, but I digress. When we come back here on the other side of the break, we will look at the rest of Sunday's action. We got Bears, Saints, and then the Stunner to cap off the wild card weekend. We'll talk about it all. We are off and running our number two right here on the early line. Come on back after this. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. (laughs) 
Welcome back in, everybody, right here to the early line. I'm the spitting statistician. I got a candle burner, Kevin Walsh, with me as well. Looking back at the super wild card weekend. And, Kev, one of the biggest lines of the weekend was the New Orleans Saints at home taking on the Bears. I got to tell you something. In the first half, this looked like kind of the style, maybe, that the Bears wanted, right, for the kind of path if they were going to. It was only, I believe, 7-3 at halftime. And then the Saints Start rolling and listen, Kev, I mean, they've got all the weapons they need, right? Kamara is there. Michael Thomas got his first touchdown, I believe, maybe of the season. And unfortunately, just on the other side, right, the Bears offense couldn't really do it. The Saints defense, again, is there to play. We've been talking about this Saints defense all season long. Started the season not doing so well, continuing to ascend into maybe a top five unit themselves. They keep the Bears to nine points. That's not enough. The Saints and their fans stand up, get crunk. 21-9, the Saints move on and advance, and they've got an interesting divisional matchup, but let's talk about this one first. 21-9, Narlins. So I had the over in this game, mm. and the Saints come out, move the ball, and they punt on the Bears 39. And I'm like, oh boy, that's not good. That's not good. You you don't, you, and they passed up on a fourth and four. You don't want the better team sitting here playing a conservative style. Force the Bears three and out, score shortly after, no harm, no foul. Here come the Bears. Javon Wims, a beauty oh of the Oh, my goodness. A oh, beauty my of the catch goodness. by Javon Wims. Sure, that and one was. Play. And then the next play. And we never recovered. And when I say we, I mean Bro. me, the Chicago Bears, Bro. and anybody that had the over or these Bears tickets, it was a 40-yard touchdown. The score is 7-7 with over three minutes remaining in the first quarter. The Saints then can't keep playing this conservative, ha, 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 you'll never score brand of football. And they move the ball like they clearly could have all game long on that Bears defense. But instead, that ball falls short. And they find themselves falls short. To convert. What do you mean falls uh, short? Falls right through Wims's hands. What well, do you mean falls short? The, 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 it fell perfectly is where it fell. It falls short of working, I guess, is what it I'm trying to say. perfectly out of the sky right. into Javon Wims's hands. The best throw of Trubisky's <laughs> career, maybe. And then ultimately, they had a fourth and four. They go for it. Love to see that. Trubisky... Doesn't know what down it is? I don't know how. Like, he just walks out of bounds after only picking up two yards. It was the craziest decision I've ever seen. And I complained, Dane, on in-game live, I think, for two hours that mm. this over should have been in a good position. There comes a point, though, where a Javon Wims catch really only could have done so much. The Bears were hopeless <laughs> out there. They were just hopeless. And you saw a lot of conversations on... You know, Twitter, former play. they don't look prepared. They don't look coached. They don't look like they have any plan of attack. And you and I spoke a lot about this last week. Mm -hmm. Our six head coaching jobs that mm -hmm. were available. Would there be a seventh added to the slot? There is yeah. no world in which the Bears can send Trubisky and Nagy back out there to me. That, that experience is done. You gave it a whirl. Both failures, both got to go. No doubt about it. 
So wait a second, because like last week you were like, hey, maybe they're going to run it back with with Nagy and Trubisky, right? Yeah. There was this idea that maybe they earned another year at it, right? Like this has been in the news. There are even reports that they are willing to bring back Nagy, but maybe they want to move on from Trubisky. I mean, you talked about in Seattle how maybe they need to move on, right? What do you see as the future? There's a lot of decisions on the horizon here for Chicago as it relates to Mitch Trubisky, as it relates to, you know, Nagy as as well what do you expect this team to do look if you go out there you play a competitive game in the dome you're not going to get you're not going to get moved it, it wasn't a you know win to keep your job type of scenario it was mm-hmm. a look competent and they didn't look that at all they just didn't and they they had a moment Dane where they rose from the ashes but if you right. look at the wins all of a sudden that quality to win now looms large and they were able to get into the playoffs because they had this incredible 5 and 1 start that gave right. them such a lead but really they still shouldn't have gone in the cardinals collapsed down the stretch right. through certain you know kyler injuries and things of that nature they couldn't do enough to get to where they needed to go you can't send this group back out there you just can't you you can't don't tell you oh, just one more mitch year no more mitch years no more Mitch years. Oh, one more chance for Nagy with a new guy. No new guy. No. This team looks unprepared, sloppy, unexciting, and didn't look like they belonged. It's time to move on. Fair enough. We will see. There'll be a lot of questions out there. Remember, even their stud wideout, Allen Robinson, was starting to talk about wanting to get moved on at some points in the season. So we'll see how the Bears reset themselves, and we'll have plenty of time to talk about what I think is going to be an incredible matchup, part three of the Hall of Fame 40-year-old quarterback trilogy when Drew Brees and Tom Brady go after it next Sunday. We'll talk about that. In the last game, Kev, listen, this many people believe was the stunner, the the shocker of wildcard weekend, the Cleveland Browns without their head coach, without offensive linemen, without both of their cornerbacks. It didn't matter, Kev. They went 48 to 37 and it was 28 nothing in the first quarter. The very first Steelers play all pro center Marquise Pouncey, boom, right over Big Ben, looking like the first play of the Super Bowl, right? That Seattle Denver Super Bowl where the very first play was a snap over the quarterback's head. Kev, at what point in the game were you like, oh, this is really going to happen? Because, like, at 7 nothing, Pittsburgh's still favored. At 14 nothing, right, in the in-game live markets, they were slow to adjust. When did you adjust and are like, oh, snap, Cleveland rocks? I mean, I had the Browns coming into the game, so I always okay. felt like they were live, so it didn't take me all too long to believe it. Really, okay. the Jarvis touchdown was was all I needed to see. Because you can get a 7 nothing fluke play, but then Big Ben throws another pick, and then Jarvis finds himself in the end zone on an explosive play. Browns look comfortable, and the Big Ben quarter and a half against the Colts was a flash in the pan that didn't erase all of his horribleness from the beginning of the year. And if you happen to come across somebody that tells you, oh, don't blame Ben, they scored 37, 500 yards for... He was awful. He was was awful in this game. Because, and and Collinsworth did this on the broadcast. Oh, I tell you, man, if you would have told the Steelers they would have scored 37, stop! They scored 37 because the Browns played prevent from the first quarter on. 
like, stopped it. He threw four picks. He was horrible. And it's tough for Ben. He's crying after the game. That's tough, man. Like, that very well could be his final game at Heinz. You know, and I don't know if people think I'm gonna I'm sitting here overreacting and moving everybody on. But again, the Seahawks didn't hit the level that they need to be on. That team needs to raise the bar. The Bears embarrassed themselves in the postseason. Tennessee. And Big Ben yeah. is just but that's I'm not firing anybody from the Titans. Like I, I let the tight I leave the Titans alone. <laughs> Washington, I, like be happy with you know, should be happy about where they are, right? But this like, are you really gonna send this guy back out there next year? You I mean you talk about Washington being a quarterback away. Right. Washington or Pittsburgh. I mean, what are we doing here? Like, look at the look at this team. I don't really listen, know if you I, can send Big Ben back out there. Yeah, listen, I've been telling you this for a long time, right? When I see the New Orleans Saints entertain secession planning, when we even saw the Chargers entertain secession planning, right? All these teams, they're moving on. The Steelers had no no plan. Mason Rudolph is their plan. I remember telling you this when Jameis Winston was out there last year. We'll see what they do, but they are going to have to augment that a bit. And you're right, Kev. If you look at the box score and see 501 and 4, you may be thinking, oh, that was a good quarterback performance. Baker on the other side, 263 and three touchdowns, but no interceptions. Baker's only thrown one pick in the second half of the season. I've been telling you about that, and they survive in advance. We'll talk about it more on the other side of the break right here on the early line. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back in, everybody, right here to the early line, giving you the edge on Sports Grid, the winning edge. Big shout out to all of our affiliates right there. So many ways to watch, so many ways to listen to Sports Grid, including, of course, Sirius XM, our own channel that launched last week, Channel 204. If you want the edge, you got to get up on the grid. I am the spitting statistician, Dane Martinez, along with my man, the candle burner, Kevin Walsh. We're looking at all of these wild card weekend results and where these teams go from here. I know you think Pittsburgh could potentially be in a bad way with the decline of Big Ben. But let's start talking about these Cleveland Browns here because, listen, Kev, they put up 48. Yeah, they got helped with the kind of like the early start, the five turnovers that happened. But, like, this team is built, Kev, kind of in the way you need mm-hmm. to be built in January, right? They have the third best rushing attack in the NFL. They have Chubb and Hunt, right? Chubb, who's doing work, 76 yards on the ground, the, the the touchdown catch, which really salted it away in the second half, but Kareem Hunt, not to be outdone, is a former league-leading rusher. He gets into the end zone twice. Jarvis Landry, Austin Hooper, and honestly, I think the key, Kev, I have been saying this to you for the better part of two or three months, is the fact that Baker Mayfield is not turning the ball over, Kev. He is being careful he is running the offense. He's thrown one pick in the last two and a half months. Talk to me about this squad moving forward, Kev. There's a lot to be excited about if you're the Cleveland Browns. I do believe uh, what waits on the other side is not uh, an ideal situation. 
Again, the Kansas City anybody. Chiefs are the best team uh, in football, and they're off of a bye week, and Andy Reid has basically been automatic off of buys his entire life. But here's the biggest thing, Dane, I think if I were to try and – because it encapsulates here what the Browns have and the weekend as a whole. A couple of years ago, there were five quarterbacks selected in the first round yes. of that NFL draft. Yes, they And were. it was Baker, Darnold, Allen, Rosen, and Lamar. Now, I don't bring this up because of Sam Darnold, but all of these quarterbacks have had very different roads, but three of them have now just won a playoff game. Yep. And I think it really should be a lesson to the rest of this league. Three-year rule. Three-year rule on a quarterback that you select in the first round. And any shorter, it would it would really be naive. Uh, unless, I mean, unless the guy gets But you didn't want the Dolphins or, to move on from Tua. You were like, we know this Dolphins guy ain't it. Oh, no, 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 no. Just no, because I'm stirring the saying? pot doesn't mean that's what I would do. Oh, okay, the Dolphins, okay, okay. The okay. Dolphins are... And it's now, and it, and this is the thing. And this now goes far beyond. Oh, Kevin Walsh conspiracies. No, they they are seeing if there are ways to move on from. But two. you think that's a I'm bad decision? That's a bad because of the three year I, rule. You the only the only justification is that you can get Deshaun Watson, to which that then uh, kind of eases the the idea. Of Fair, it. but moving on <laughs> from Tua for a quarterback at third overall. Is wild. The idea that you know a Zach Wilson or even if it was a Justin Fields uh, is not a move that I would make if I were the Dolphins. Because Dane, look at what we got here, and look at these look at these three quarterbacks specifically that we are talking about. Josh Allen, after two years, people were done with him in Buffalo. And when I say people, that includes yours truly. I didn't believe that Josh Allen was going to do this. And Bills fans taking all of these victory laps is wild. This guy was last in the NFL in completion percentage. Just be happy, the guy. Like we weren't crazy for telling you he was bad. Okay, like he was bad, but he's now obviously improved and he just got a playoff win. The first Bills playoff win since 1995. Lamar Jackson was almost punished for making the playoffs and was told that he was never going to win in the playoffs, was never going to be able to make that leap despite winning an MVP award and is now moving on to the next round of the playoffs. And Baker Mayfield, after a really good rookie season, disappointed last year, all of the expectations in the world, this guy cares more about commercials than winning, which is nonsense. Just because you're in a commercial right. doesn't mean that you don't care about winning. But that's the Baker Mayfield story. And now that team goes out there, wins double-digit games, and wins in Heinz Field for the first time in 17, 18 tries. So at the end of the day, if you're the Giants and you're looking at Daniel Jones, you got to give that guy a third season. And if you're the Jets, now maybe you look at the counterparts here, right? And you think, okay, right. we maybe should have gotten more. But at least you gave them that third year and you're sitting there with the second overall selection. But honestly, if the Jets said, look, we're running this thing back, we got to give our guy one more year, I understand it, right? I, I think the three-year rule, though, to me, after watching Baker make the leap he made, Josh Allen make the leap he made, sure. and Lamar win that playoff game, that's how I'm looking at this now. And I think it's really the only way that these teams should start to look at it, unless there are, you know, incredible circumstances where one of the five best quarterbacks in football becomes available. That's fair. Let me ask you something, because later on in the week, we're going to start to look at some of the coaches that are still standing here in the NFL playoffs. Remember last week, we ranked our quarterbacks with our confidence ranks, how much we trusted them going into the playoffs. You're now saying the quarterback gets that three-year rule. Do coaches deserve a three-year rule as well? Yeah, it's interesting. I, I think the coach carousel in, in the NFL is a difficult one. 
And I think that is probably more circumstantial than even the quarterback because quarterbacks are such a product of their environment. The coaches are kind of creating the environment. So we have to be honest with what they inherit and what they don't. And do we see bright spots and do we not? And I think the coaching situation is, it's more kind of just getting a sense for the culture, uh, the environment of it all. Okay. Right. Like I was ready to move on from Mike McCarthy because I thought the players hated him and I thought he hated the players. You can't win that way. Right versus Joe Judge, who clearly built something that that group believes in. Even if I think there, oh, I don't know if it's maybe a little and overstated. That takes time. It takes time, right, to build right. a it, culture. It can, it can take time. Yeah, I think you can have a shorter leash on coaches because okay. you can see it right away. Sometimes with coaches, you you can see an Adam. Listen, Gase Kev, like, I saw it when Adam Gase had buggied out eyes in his press conference, and they were making fun of it at the very beginning. But I do think you make a good point. Later on this week, maybe even tomorrow, we'll look at the eight coaches that are still there and kind of, in our opinion, prioritize who are we riding with, who do we have confidence in. And listen, the Cleveland Browns will still be there. Kevin Stefanski, we believe, will be cleared by their next game, and we'll see where Stefan fits on that list. Kev, we had a super wild card weekend, right? So much stuff to discuss, so much stuff going on, and boy, I think it delivered. It was very exciting. However, Kev, you may have missed some of the stuff that was going on in other places in the sports world, and I got to ask you about this because you're my NBA guy, okay? When I need NBA stuff, I go to Kevin Walsh, right? And I know that we have talked a lot about – the confidence in Commissioner Adam Silver, how great the bubble was, and it was. It went off flawless, but we've also talked about how this regular season, Kev, is not in a bubble, right? And they're going to have to deal with society sort of in the same way. And people may not have seen, but over the last few days, COVID has come to the NBA. I mean, first of all, we had the Philadelphia 76ers, right, who had a player get a positive test back during the game. Do you remember when this happened with, like, what was it, the Marlins or the Cardinals back in the early baseball season? And the the problem that had the entire Philadelphia 76ers, Kev, needed to quarantine. And the Sixers are not the only team that is facing this, right? I mean, we got the Miami Heat. We got the Dallas Mavericks. We got Jason Tatum, who's like, you know, an elite top 10 kind of dude with this now COVID is coming to the NBA Kev talk to me about kind of how it has played out and what are you seeing you know policy wise in the same way that we started to see early in the NFL early in the baseball regular season yeah look this is it's really really tough right now for the NBA and that situation with the Sixers was a troubling one because they learned of a positive test while the game was being played now I don't know like Justin Turner in the World by, Series. <laughs> uh, now the the crazy thing is I don't know if it was pure luck, but the player wasn't out there on the court. It was Seth Curry who actually Same. missed the game due to an ankle injury. No, no I'm just saying like yeah, it's still, wild yeah. that the player happened yeah, to not be the only guy right. that wasn't dressed for them and playing that day, but he was still there courtside. And that is troubling because we've been consistent. I don't understand the process where you're getting your test results while the game is happening. Now, maybe you're testing twice, once to clear them and then another double check. But again, what does a double check achieve 
if right. it's going to come <laughs> if back. You catch something right? and then you're left with right. Like, what does that really do? There's been a lot of conversations from from people wondering: Do they need to hit a pause? Are things spiraling out of control? The, they just had their second game postponed due to COVID, a Heat Celtics game because the Celtics weren't able to field enough of a roster. And it almost begs the question in some ways, Dane: Are, are you better off right not having enough guys and postponing those games? Just think about it, right? In a 72 game season, in a tight race where a lot of there are a lot of teams at the top fighting for seeding. Yeah. The Celtics don't have to send out a roster of eight to play a tough Miami Heat team. No harm, no foul. The Sixers send out an eight-man lineup, only seven really, because yeah. they wouldn't put Mike Scott in the game, right? And they have to play the Denver Nuggets, and Tyrese Maxey plays 44 minutes and drops 39. And they never have a chance to beat the Denver Nuggets because they're not sending out a legitimate NBA roster. Right now, and and it's unfortunate to see, but the NBA seems to be biting down on the mouthpiece and fighting through. And in ways, people think that's a positive. And in other ways, it's not a positive. I think the question that might loom over the head of the NBA right now, Dane, is this league better off Mm-hmm. trying to find a way to vaccinate their athletes. And that's a that's a moral question, yeah. I think, maybe uh, that we need a lot more time and maybe another platform to truly sure. dive into. But the NBA right now is finding early into the year that this is going to be a difficult ride. Listen, I mean, it's the same thing, right? You just talked about the inconsistency on how they handle Philly and another team. Remember, the Denver Broncos played without a quarterback. The Raiders played without an offensive line. But Steelers-Ravens got pushed back three times and ultimately played. We shall see. We'll talk about it more when we come back. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back, everybody. You got the spitting statistician, Dane Martinez, the candle burner, Kevin Walsh, bringing it to you live and direct here, bright and early in the morning here on the early line, giving you the winning edge. Big shout out to Sirius Channel 204, joining the party as we put the fun in functional sports content. Kev, we had a wild card weekend to break down. COVID in the NBA is an issue now. And listen, Kev, we talked about this, right? You know, Five players go down or go on a COVID list on an NFL roster, that's out of 53, right? Like in Major League Baseball, remember, they started the rosters with 30, went down to like 28, 26 throughout the season. And NBA roster, Kev, you got 12 dudes, okay? So if four or five have COVID, that's a significant chunk. If they're down for a week like we saw with Kevin Durant, you're missing two, three, potentially four games. So the NBA has to figure out some of the repercussions, some of the ripple effects how to adjudicate and address this because, as you know, we've Mm -hmm. turned the page to 2021, but we have not yet turned the page on COVID. No, we we certainly have not. And there's been some conversations about opening up the roster size, and that seems like the minimum. And there, look, there's been conversations about pausing the league. It puts them behind the eight ball, though. And I think that was the one thing that we learned a lot when it came to the NFL is there is no desire 
to make this a longer process because what we've learned is there is clearly no end in sight. We we think we're getting closer, but sure. we don't have any type of definitive date. I can't tell you yeah. that on March 14th you're going to be able to leave your house finally and do whatever right. you want. It'd be great, but there's just no guarantees. So that's and I think that's really the big reason why these leagues have been trying to push through when possible because the idea of well just let it pass. Imagine if the NBA said just let it pass, Lakers never won a mm-hmm. title. I guess that is fair. That is fair. But remember, we've talked a lot about things like how easy it is to kind of grin and bear it or look the other way when you're approaching the finish line of your season or of your playoffs. That is not the situation the NBA is in. They will be dealing with this through the doldrums of the summer, especially when football goes away. We talked about wild card weekend. We're really excited about that. But Kev, we crown a national champion tonight in college football. So let's turn our attention right now to Roll Tide and the Buckeyes, which albeit they were up in the air for a little while. Remember, because the Ohio State Buckeyes were dealing with an increase in COVID concerns. But as you say, Kev, the show quite literally must go on. And so we will have the national championship game. Alabama is now eight and a half point favorites in this one. And listen, last week when we were talking about this game, I was talking about the incredibly high total. Kev, we've had movement up and down. It touched as high as 75. Five and a half. Maybe the extra point is because we know Alabama stud wide receiver Jalen Waddle may even join this dynamic offense. What do you think about this one? I want to start, Kev, on the total. 75 and a half. Yeah. It's gone down, I think, back 74 and a half. But regardless, you know the way I describe this. We're going to need a clean ride, Kev. Is it going to be that clean? Well, a good thing we have the two best cars that you could possibly want to make this thing as smooth as possible. Alabama averages over 48 points per game, 43.5 per game for Ohio State. And it's almost, it was kind of, I was looking through some of these Ohio State numbers. I almost feel like, ah, man, their their offense hasn't even been that. No, their offense has been great this year. They just struggled against Northwestern in that first half. And then Sermon ran for like 380 yards, and they didn't have their number one wide receiver. But all in all, their offense has been great, and and Bama's offense has just been really one of the most special offenses we've ever seen. And I I know this is on the heels of LSU being one of the most special offenses we've ever seen. (laughs) From the efficiency metrics of this Alabama offense, it is just so incredible what they bring to the table. And you look at these two teams and how they get the job done. Ohio State and that ground game, you might say, oh, they're going to try and chew the clock, kill the clock. They're averaging eight yards a carry. Like, there's right. no killing the clock. That's not chewing we're the get, clock. We're that's right. That's dynamic offense. Like, <laughs> right. Right. Like, that's explosive. And the other thing for Ohio State, and you saw this against Clemson, it's those deep shots. And that's what Bama is a little bit vulnerable against. Right. Those okay. deep shots, right? They, they've given them up. Against, they gave them up against Florida. That's how you can hit this team. So, if Ohio State's mixture is 30-yard bombs and 8 yards a carry, that's going to get this thing moving. Because I'm not worried about Alabama bringing it to the party. I know they're going to bring this thing. I know they are. Notre Dame is the best defense they saw all season long. They went three for three, three touchdown drives to start that game. The longest took two and a half minutes. Right. Like Notre Dame was hopeless. They were hopeless against that offense. And now Jalen Waddle's back on the field. Jalen Waddle doesn't even have to run routes. 
I mean, he can just step on the field, spot up like he's going to run Draw a screen every time, <laughs> and it's just going to, huh? And then Devonta Smith, right, or Michi, or whomever, yeah. is going to be wide open because those guys are impossible to cover as it is. And as good as Ohio State's defense has been in years past, it's just not the same defensive unit. It's not. And their, their secondary is their weakness. So, yeah, Heisman <laughs> Trophy winner Devonta Smith and Jalen Waddle's return and a quarterback that in seemingly gets better the more he's under pressure. And yeah, it's a, it's a number that requires a clean ride. But when when the score is 35 to 24 at the break, you think you're going to want to be on the over or the under? No, I'm, I'm with you, right? I mean, it could definitely happen. But the inverse is also true, right? Like, if there's two punts in the first quarter, all of a sudden you're going to be like, whoa. <laughs> you know, and the live number might drop a ton, you know? I understand these things can still always open up. I remember, listen, the the, the Seahawks-Rams game was like 6-3, right? And Troy Aikman or whoever it was was literally like, points are going to be hard to come by. I'm holding an over ticket, and it still gets over by eight points. So it definitely could mm-hmm. happen. You were talking about Ohio State, kind of the deep shots over the top. They will have Olave back, which they were very excited to have in the semifinal after not having them against Northwestern. You talked about Sermon, who's running for 200 yards, 300 yards in what a game. You've, you, you're making the case, potentially, for these Buckeyes to hang involved, maybe even hang within eight and a half mm-hmm. points. My question for you is, is that the case you are trying to make? Do you think the Ohio State Buckeyes have a path to covering or pulling an upset to win the national championship tonight? So so it's tough, and, and it's it's a great number posted because you, you sit there and you, and you think about it nonstop, right? If you had double digits on the Buckeyes, you probably have to take that. And if you had below the touchdown with Alabama, you probably have to take that. So that's why we're dealing with this eight and a half number here. And if this thing is going to be as high scoring as clearly I believe, and really forget what I believe, what the book believes, this thing can oh, yeah. be incredibly high scoring. Don't get me wrong. Still I, believe by two <laughs> I right. believe it also. I believe it also. But I'm saying, I'm just, even if you're like, oh, I'm, 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 I'm playing the under, I think they only get to 64. That's still right. wildly high scoring, right? Yeah. And a high scoring game makes it difficult to cover that kind of number, right? Because. Ohio State would have to re- reply. You would expect all game long, the back door is open, right? And that's how you know Notre Dame did it with a big number. But all game right. long, you would expect that back door to be open. The thing for me is, Bama's just going to keep going to where it it's going to be. You're going to need Ohio State, I feel like, in it from start to finish. And it almost feels like a situation, Dane, where I want to know who has the ball first. And right. I'll take right because I would think, and and I and I and I mean this. If you guys are are, are following in game live, right? So the pregame number is eight and a half. Ohio State gets the ball first. They will still post an in game number before any play is run, and you could you should be able to get seven and a half. They might take a point off, but they shouldn't hmm. move it to six and a half just because Ohio State starts with the football. You have the football plus seven and a half. If Alabama wins the toss, why would I want? Ohio State plus eight and a half when I expect Alabama to score. And then I can get that valuable double-digit number. Again, I don't think it would go to 14 and a half with Alabama touchdown. But I do think it could go to 10 and a half with Alabama touchdown. So as far as the side goes, Dane, I might be waiting. 
for a better approach in game. And okay. if I have conviction on one of these sides, I'd look for team totals. Uh, unless you think Ohio State's here to grind Bama down into a low-scoring affair. But if you're like, I'm all over Bama, odds are you're expecting them to score at least 42 points. Listen, I love Ohio State in the matchup. You probably think they're going to get to 35. And if that's true, then you can play pre I would go pre-game team total. I would go in-game live for sides. All right, fair enough. Any props you like? I remember the last time we talked about this game last week, I was... <laughs> I was chuckling at the fact that Mac Jones's passing yards was like 360. Yeah. Guess what, Kev? It's up to 365 and a half. So that's the mm-hmm. where people are going. People just think there's going to be points. It's going to be production. It's going to be lighting yeah. up the, the darn pinball machine the entire time. It just feels to me like mm-hmm. when everyone thinks this is so obviously going to be 41-38 as a final that maybe – an all it takes is a little bit. All it takes is a little lull of like two drives, the air to get sucked yeah. out of the building for some reason, and then it becomes very, very hard. Any prop bets out there that you like in this game? I just want to say it is sickening that you threw out a score of forty-one thirty-eight, and that gets us over by four points. Like that, that is not a exactly. comfortable over. It's so wild. <laughs> as far as the props go, I will I, I'll tell you a couple of things that I've been looking at are a lot of pro Mac Jones props. As hmm. big as the numbers are, that is the best way for them to beat Ohio State. It's through the air. So three sixty-five and a half. Again, it's a monster number, but I I, I lean towards the over. Over three and a half passing touchdowns, look, it's ridiculous, right? Because this team can look good and then Najee Harris finishes drives. Sure. But I think that they are I think their best attack is through is still through the air. Devonta Smith, by the way, in terms of his receiving number. Now you would think, right, Dane, there's no world in which you're getting value on the Devonta Smith over receiving number. This thing was about 160s and 170s versus Florida and versus Notre Dame. Back comes Jalen Waddle. These numbers come down. Is Jalen Waddle really going to come in and immediately be the number one guy or even involved enough to mess up a Devonta Smith number? I think Devonta Smith is interesting. Sermon's rushing yards is 101 and a half. Don't care. I would still play it over. The yards per carry, the explosiveness there for Trey Sermon, I would still be interested in that. Uh, those are some of the yardage props I've looked at. And I'll just tell you this, folks. If you haven't looked at the anytime touchdown scorer market, don't. <laughs> because, Dane, have you seen this? And if if not, I'd no, love to get Honestly, a guess from you. No, I haven't. Okay, you're going to ask me how many people are minus numbers? Are you going to ask how many people are minus numbers? Not even that. Just give me an honest guess, Najee Harris, anytime touchdown scorer. An honest guess. Minus 150. He is minus, and I'm not kidding, 1,300 to score a touchdown. Really? He's minus 1,300. What is he to score two? What is he to score two? Minus 185. He's minus money to score multiple touchdowns. Yes. It is minus money to score multiple touchdowns. That is absolutely ridiculous, but speaks to the juggernaut that this Alabama offense is. I mean, Kev, three of the top five Heisman finalists were on this offense, right? And I think that's all you need to know. Kevin will be covering this on in-game live for sure. And listen, last week, there was a lot of government stuff that went on, a lot of laws being discussed. Uh, There was a law being discussed that we are here and all four here at Sports 
screen. Go, New York! Go, New York! Go! I'll tell you what I'm talking about because we got some action at the state of the state here in New York tonight. I'll tell you about it as we wrap up this episode of The Early Line. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Bo on this episode. Over the break, we're talking about, like, how do you bet this this game? I mean, the team total for Bama is 41 and a half. The team total for Ohio State's 31 and a half. You got minus 1,300 to get in the end zone. I'm almost like, let's get these guys to not get in the end zone and just hope they go away from one guy, like, plus 800. But I digress. Kev, the big news is that you're in New York. I'm in New York. All the people in New York may be able to get on this action in a mobile way on their devices. We've been talking about this for a while. And over the weekend, Governor Cuomo in New York came out and said he's going to back, you know, mobile sports betting as part of a financial reason, right? After COVID, that sports gaming will really help the state recoup the losses from the pandemic and recoup the losses from uh, some people going over the river to make those in Jersey, huh, Kev? What do you think about this? How fast could it happen? Do you believe in it? Are you excited? Yeah, you got to be pumped. I mean, the state of the state, which I think is a hilarious name, state of the state, right. state of the state. Like you just, I don't know. It is what it is. Uh, but we're we're going to be tuning in and paying attention here. It, it is the most positive momentum that we have had uh, to achieving this. The plan. I mean, it, it's one of those things. You just hope he doesn't get you know tap the mic and say by twenty twenty three. Oh, I don't know. There is a hey, process. Let's get this thing moving. Right. No, I mean, I understand there's a process, but like, listen. At the end of the day, activate these things tonight so we can roll some national championship bets <laughs> out there. And I promise you, New York will show up in droves, baby. Let's lock this thing up. No, I mean, they absolutely will show up in droves. I think, you know, our friends and partners in FanDuel have definitely proven that month after month. New Jersey in the handle, threatening and surpassing even Vegas. But, you know, here, us in New York will get to join the party. We are very excited about that. We'll see how it plays out. We're not going to put the toothpaste back in the tube, everybody. Sports investing is here to stay, and that is why you get on the grid, whether it's Sirius XM Channel 204, the Mightier 1090, or all these other platforms. We appreciate you getting the winning edge on the grid. Our guy, Jared Smith, has been all over this story, and I'm sure he's going to have more to add. Coming up next on this network, the morning after with Jared and Ariel, they're going to be on this, including Wild Card Weekend. That'll do it for us today. We'll see y'all tomorrow right here on the Earth. Since you were a little kid, you've always loved sports. So have we. One of us. 